name is Neil Middleton and every month we create informative content for you as we talk to important, influential and inspirational people from the world of bats as well as other areas of interest. To find out more about Batability, go to batability.co.uk. Now for the interview, let's do it. Hi there everyone and welcome to today's Talking Bat and I have the great pleasure today of uh, speaking with Peter Flory of Pearsonic Limited. Uh, hi Peter, how are you doing? Fine, uh, thanks very much Neil, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, I mean we've been talking about uh, doing this for a good uh, number of weeks so it's uh, kind of nice to kind of nice to get there. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself, Peter. Uh, how, how, did you, how did you come to being Pearsonic? How did that um, happen? Yeah. Well, um, to keep it really brief, uh, I started out as an engineer in the 70s um, and then migrated into sales for 30 years in semiconductors, that is silicon chips, um, to people these days. Okay. Um, although it was a very technical sale um, and sometimes I was a startup director of sales for some companies, but found myself at one point um, as a startup director of sales for a UK processor company in Bristol called Exmos. And the trick there is to make sure that whatever the engineers invent, you have a market and a, a customer base for it. Tricky business. Um, but we did find that it was ideal for very, very high quality audio. So when I sort of disengaged from this semiconductor lifestyle, I thought it'd be a good idea to use that very same processor to make um, a bat recording and listening device. I didn't know much about the world of bat equipment at the time, although I had one of the early um, uh, David King's uh, bat box uh, heterodyne units. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, being, yeah. being a complete amateur, um, I knew I could detect bats, but I had no idea um, what they were. I thought it'd be a good idea to record them and then analyze them. Okay. I took a look on the web. I found certain obvious candidates. I felt they were a little expensive. So I decided to make something that was affordable for people that with less cash in their pockets effectively. So, so that's so, really how I got into it, yes. Yeah. So, so did you have some sort of broad interest in bats prior to Pearsonic then? I mean, you're kind of suggesting you already had a heterodyne bat detector. So you, were you already, a, were you already a, a bat person, so to speak? I guess like everybody who's even listening ever since I was a boy, you know. Okay. But um, um, one is distracted, you know. Uh, I was... If you don't mind this quick story, no, as a youngster, as a youngster, youngster about sort of 10 or so, I don't know, I would catch frogs and snakes and lizards and things, you know. But one day I was climbing in the woods and I found a loose piece of bark in a tree and I saw a bat in there. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I'll leave it alone because I think they have a separate existence from us and there's something different about them. So even as a kid, I strolled off and left it alone. Wow. And that's always been with me, that thought, you know. Whereas if it was a frog, I would have had it straight away and taken it home, you know. Wow, wow. So that's, that's my connection. Electronics and wildlife, altogether fantastic. 
Yeah. Excellent. So that, that makes bad. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And when did PureSonic launch? When when did the company start? I mean, uh, about, it was about six and a half years ago, really. And the name of the company, I thought, I just took my name, Peter, and I spent a lot of time in Scandinavia. So okay. there's a slightly Scandinavian influence there. I didn't want to sound like Petson, you know, because that's a, that's a proper family name out there. Um, so I just sort of bumbled into this Pearsonic name. And I think it's a good name, actually. I like it. So. Yeah, it's got a better ring to it than Florisonic yeah. or something like that. Florisonic <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, well, uh, let's, let's, let's move on and uh, have, a, have a look at uh, some of your products, like the product that you've spent the bulk of your time developing, the RPA3 bat detector. Yeah, this was the first product. And in fact, it's still with us today, partly by virtue of this processor that we use or I use. It records at full spectrum at a high uh, sample rate. Um, so therefore you can capture anything up to 192 kilohertz. Well, I must admit at that kind of frequency, the microphone itself is attenuating. It's falling away a little bit. Okay. So I would say it's good for up to 145, but I can adjust parameters. Uh, it's got a variety of features in it, which you'll find on the website in detail. Um, uh, and as a little thought, I stuck on a tripod nut so that you can mount it, mount it on a tripod and you can sit down and have a rest. You know, you don't have to be holding it. Um, what you can see on the, on the little box on the left-hand side is the unit. Uh, at the front end, you see a hole where there is the microphone. In the, on the tripod mounted version there, you can see a wire coming up that you can swap the mic for an adapter and use a remote mic. Okay. So um, one of the questions I had in the early days is, is it waterproof? And I would say, no, <clears throat> it's got holes in it. <laughs> um, so having holes in it, so I thought, well, I'll make a remote mic, which yeah. is relatively sacrificial, if you like. Uh, yeah, if you, so you can stick there, you, there on the right-hand side, you can see the adapter, which allows you to use an ordinary stereo cable you can buy in the shops cheaply enough you don't have to buy off me and get you know ripped off um, uh, just plug that in up to 10 meters you can put the box in the shed or in a tupperware box or in a plastic bag and the microphone is the thing that is then exposed exposed to the elements so, so, so the, just yeah so just to be clear then the adapter is this bit at the top here is that correct yeah you just pull out the mic plug in the adapter, it's got a three and a half millimeter socket, and then you can lash up your own, what I call mini static. Okay. Okay. Well, which, we'll, which we'll go on to talk about, which yep. we'll go on to talk about in a minute, perhaps. So where, where do you see this? Uh, well, okay. Well, what I'm going to say is when we look at all of the bat detectors that are available in the marketplace, uh, I think it's fair to say that there isn't a perfect bat detector developed by anybody anywhere on the planet. Okay, so um, you've got this uh, trade-off between uh, price, between uh, you know functionality, I suppose, between uh, various uh, functions and stuff that all of these machines uh, have. You know, so I'm talking about your competitors as well as yourself here. And I think if though if somebody had come up with the perfect machine priced perfectly, uh, I reckon every bat worker on the planet would just be using that machine. Um, 
So I suppose the question I have is, where do you feel your product sits in amongst the others? And sitting where you perceive it to sit, what do you see as its key strengths being? You know, if you're comparing it to, you know, something, say, at the top end, perhaps, uh, arguably something like a backlog or M or something like that, how, how do you see your product being positioned? Initially, it was um, intended to be really affordable. And it still is, although I must say my original launch, it was really, really affordable. Um, but, you know, component um, um, costs don't go down. They have a tendency to go up. Yeah. Um, but still, it's in the right place there. What I've, re what I've actually discovered recently, and it hadn't really occurred to me in the beginning, was that it's effectively modular. What you see on the right-hand side there is the circuit board. That has not changed in all that time. I haven't obsoleted it at all. Uh, because that little squarey thing in the middle of the top part of the circuit board is the processor. You're nearly there. That's it. You've got it. Okay. Um, that, how can I say, that emulates hardware. So if I want to add in a, another feature, it's just software. I say just software, but it is software. So it can be expanded uh, without having to uh, um, pay for tooling again for the circuit board. Having said that, though, I have to admit that the, um, the software resources inside the process processor are pretty well saturated. Okay. So when we get to speak later, I could talk about thoughts for the future. But my intention is to keep that thing going. It's been going six years. No change. It's going to carry on like that. I can look after people with that same product. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a difference. So affordable and you know, no obsolescence as far as it is humanly possible. If you're enjoying listening to our podcasts, perhaps you would also be interested in joining Batability Club. To find out more about Club, which includes hundreds of hours of accessible training resources available to you in your own time and at your case, go to batability.co.uk. Thank you. Yeah, because I mean, what I notice with uh, you know certain competitors is uh, they, they they change their products and they seem to change you know an awful lot about the product, which means uh, that certain things uh, don't really aren't really durable going forward. <laughs> going forward, yeah. so you're trying to, I suppose, no, you're not trying. You've you've succeeded. I've done that. Uh, yes, done that's that. right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I mean, this is priced. I mean, I mean the off-the-shelf, non-adapted price for one of these units is. Am I right in saying it's around about two hundred and fifty pounds plus VAT? Is that right? Am I? So it's now two hundred and forty-five, and that price is fixed for this year now because I've purchased boards and the components now to keep me going for twelve months, as I can see it. No reason to change that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one, I think it's only fair to say that one of the things that this machine doesn't have compared to your competitors, but this will be reflected in the price, I'm sure, is uh, that this machine doesn't have uh, GPS tracking on it. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Um, in fact, it could have, but that processor there is consumed on resources. I don't think we've put it in. Uh, when it comes to GPS, I'm a little bit scared because the quality of those recordings are very high. Um, because 
with the original design, we did our level best to keep self-inflicted noise down as low as possible. Sticking in GPS is a bit of work and GPS receivers knock out a lot of noise. And I didn't really want it getting into the microphone. So um, that's one reason. And the other one is a little bit of laziness, I suppose. Um, another one is, I suppose, not all customers really want it. And many who do can still manage without it. Yeah. Um, so those, yes, that is always one on the list. I mean, while you're picking up things that you might like to put down as limits, I will tell everybody here and now that um, it has a maximum recording number of 3,000 recordings. Okay. So you can put it to sleep during the day, wake up at night, but 3,000 individual recordings is the limit. They can be of any length, but that's the number, that's the limit. So it's worth knowing that because if you wanted to use that for multiple swarming sessions, you would find it was quickly full. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a fair point. But again, you can't get away from the fact that it's a, in terms of the recording quality, because I've, I've, I've played around with one of these myself. You very kindly sent me one up last month and I used it in the field and looked at the recordings. And the quality of the recordings was as good as you get anywhere with any full spectrum back detector. Um, and at that price, um, that is a darn good price for a full spectrum back detector. You know, it's yeah. yeah. But um, don't forget, don't forget one of the reasons is I came from this processor audio business. We were selling that processor to people who make very expensive high-end audio equipment. For example, if you wanted to have an audio system installed on your private yacht, which I guess you've got several <laughs> of, that will be there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So it right. just oh, seemed to be a good right. idea. Yeah. Uh, right then, I know, I know who to come to for that then, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, just, I just need to get the yacht. <laughs> but, uh... Just the first one, yeah. That's it. yeah. <laughs> Could you do me a yacht for 245 quid? <laughs> no, I'm not in the marine business, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Right, let, let's move on to uh, this slide. So quite, quite a lot of things going on here. You've talked already about the microphone adapter. But uh, what's going on? What's going on in this picture here on the left? What, what's that all about? So here again, you see rather a simple story. And if actually that picture shows an earlier um, a weatherproof unit, but still the concept is much the same. It's exactly the same recording unit with the same limits and conditions of use. Um, but uh, it needs to be waterproof. Uh, so it's in a, um, a submersible effective. You could chuck it in the pond. Wow. Uh, uh, enclosure. Um, in order to get more recording time out of it, I've gone to the sneaky uh, technique of using bigger batteries. Um, right. That, that, <laughs> so, sounds a bit, right? that sounds a bit Brilliant. too technical. <laughs> Brilliant. So, but the thing with those batteries, they're rechargeable and they're quite expensive. So they're sitting in a little board there, which is called the battery management board, uh, the Batman board. Best, uh, battery management, you get it? Um, and that yeah. looks after them so that makes sure that they don't over discharge or if yeah. someone is so foolish as to plug them in the wrong way round, they will, they'll switch off. I mean, basically we won't damage anything because that sort of equipment is likely to get handed around and God knows what people would do. So the, the key idea is to be sure that there'll be no misadventure. Um, uh, here you can see the, uh, the same, 
microphone adapter has been used in a slightly different way. It's coming out. If you just move across to your left with a mouse, did it stop there? That's it. You've got it. It's coming out sort of straight and that's the same board. Um, and then if you follow that wire down, you see it's going out through a cable gland. I've dispensed with that. I'm now using a waterproof switch switchcraft connector, uh, which is incidentally by pure chance, exactly the same as used on the SM2 and the SM3, okay. uh, which does mean that my microphones can be used with that SM equipment as well. But that's just, I don't know how that happened. Um, <laughs> um, because it's the, my, my equipment. So I changed that because I found the cable gland was a little bit awkward. Okay. And then of course, in on the right hand side, you can see the remote mic itself and okay. something there for, for, for scale. Okay. Um, I have been working on that mic a lot. Uh, when um, I made the original design, as you saw in the earlier slide, it was the idea was to have the thing um, as almost sacrificial so that you could put it outside and the recording unit itself would not suffer. Um, if you look at the front end of the mic, there's a white gauze there. And that white gauze is water repellent, but not 100% um, waterproof. Um, if you were to look at the back, there's a mic here, you probably can't see. The back end has a three and a half millimeter audio socket. Um, that is actually, it's pretty waterproof because the water, water drips away um, and it's good enough. On this microphone, the front end is not white gauze, it's a material called Captain, which is 100% waterproof. So right now I've got the front end 100% waterproof if needed. But you know, to get a material that is totally waterproof and 100% acoustically transparent is not possible. Okay. So I, you have a choice. You can swap the little ring inside. So you could have, you know, if you're having a spell of good weather, um, you can use the white gauze, you know, with impunity. If you live in Devon, um, you might like to consider the waterproof. Um, and the other thing is that it's totally used and maintainable. So as you can see that the front end has got a knurled finish to it, you can unscrew it. Inside there's a little disc which contains the microphone element. The microphone element cost me 36p. So, so I put that on a little round circuit board with a connector and when it does die, you know, which will happen uh, due to water ingression one way or another, it's 15 quid to replace it okay yeah. so you don't have to replace the entire mic doesn't have to be replaced it's totally user maintainable and, and that that is a huge improvement on uh, and again i'm thinking about uh, you know what, what other organizations do but it's it's not unusual uh, certainly in the fairly recent past uh, if a microphone goes uh, on some of the other machines that people use you may be talking a hundred, hundred pounds plus just to replace the microphone. Yes, that's the idea. So it's um, 15 pounds for one off and I do a deal for if you want five or 10. So yeah, a bit cheaper. I, have, yeah. I think it's already a pretty good deal, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. Okay. Lovely. Right. Do you want to, let's talk about some, a couple of other products that you've got, I think. Happy to do that. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. 
Um, so uh, we've spoken in the past about the microphone tester. Some people, they, they may not necessarily know exactly how a microphone tester works. Um, so what is this? What does it do? How does it work? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so how did I get to it? I, there have been a few microphone testers, testers out there. Uh, I noted that they tended to just emit some ultrasound um, at say 40 kilohertz or 60 kilohertz. Um, and then you could play that and then you could either listen using your heterodyne equipment or you could record and look at the strength of the signal on your spectrogram. But my observation with microphones over the years has been, and we all use very much the same type of electric microphone, um, is that they degrade top frequency downwards. So if you're testing at 40 kilohertz or 60 kilohertz, you could be well unaware that your 125 kilohertz signals are not getting in at all. So you could be missing out on your lesser horseshoes or your greater horseshoes or the top end of myotis or whatever. So I felt what was needed was to have something that would cover the whole spectrum. And um, if anyone knows the difference between a square wave and a sine wave, uh, it's worth knowing because it's very easy to create um, a variable square wave, but a, a good quality sine wave is what you need because it will have less harmonics in it. So what you can see at the top part of the slide okay. is a smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that smiley face, it's, it's running through, it's starting high, running low, and then going back up. Stepped frequency is not continuous. You've, in fact, at the beginning, you can see they're clearly steps. Um, and uh, goes from 125 kilohertz down to oh, 16 and then back up. So you can record that and you can keep a note of how your equipment is faring over time. Um, but also there are other modes. Um, when you turn it on, you can go through a number of fixed steps, 16, 32, 64, 125. And that's quite useful actually um, for if you have, I guess most people have tried a magenta from time to time. They're very yeah. good. Um, they're very good uh, heterodyne units, especially for um, uh, novices at the price. But you know, you give them to novices, and they twiddle, they twiddle the control around until they take it to the end, and then they keep going. Oh, and the that. thing is, it's lost it. You know, so yeah. using the step method, you can set it to 32 or so, and then you can tune it and you go, oh, I see some idiots twisted it too far. And you can, you can, you can, so you can recalibrate your own equipment. That way. Gotcha. Because no, I, I used to, we used to do this in the old days with the, the old bat box, uh, bat detectors. We used to tune them against the outlook, uh, the output of television sets. Um, you know, the same sort of idea when the detector went silent, you knew you were bang on whatever frequency it was, 32 kilohertz, something like that. And then you could see if somebody overturned a knob at some point in the past or whatever. Yeah. So, so this is like an electronic, or what you've described there is a, is a, a, more, uh, a more modern way of achieving the same sort of thing. <laughs> well, it goes, I mean, unlike the TV, which would only, I guess, would have been down at 20 kilohertz or something. This yeah. is covering the best part of the full spectrum. Yeah. There, there is... Another little feature I slept in, I slipped in, but what's in there is it's a, to be slightly technical, um, a microprocessor controlled um, sine wave generator. 
<laughs> so, so um, you know, um, we'll have that again in English. <laughs> well, I wasn't even being that technical, actually. To be fair, but I thought I'd throw in just for a laugh. I thought I'd yeah. throw in some emulated sounds. Okay. So these are not playback sounds. I, I write; they've been written by hand. Um, pipistrels, uh, social calls as a sequence. And again, that's quite handy with your um, your novice group. There they are standing out there, and you you go right, tune your tune your magentas to forty two, and play back. This is a common pipistrel. That's what it'll sound. And after a few moments, there's there's a, a greater horseshoe in there as well. They've got the hang of it and there's no messing around and off you go. So you don't really have to explain the detail of heterodyne to them. They can hear it and yeah. that's it. So, uh, yeah, so it's sort of, uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's the animal that it is. It's uh, yeah. so uh, just, powered just to... by USB um, battery. That's it. Okay. That's your lot. So just to be clear for, for those of you that are listening, uh, and Peter, please correct me if I'm wrong. It's like an ultras, it's like a speaker, okay? So this is playing out uh, the, the, you know, the various uh, pulses, if you like, at the different frequency levels. And then you're using your bat detector as you would normally, and then you're then taking the recording made on your own bat detector, you're putting that through a software program, and you're then seeing how close, I suppose, to the smiley face in this example, your own bat detector is performing. Does that kind of sound about right, Peter? Have a that that says it. I mean, uh, you if if your equipment isn't recording equipment, you can listen and see what you get. If it's recording equipment, you have the opportunity to inspect the spectrogram and see if it's smiling nicely for you. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So. In terms of cost, what's off? What's the off-the-shelf cost for one of these? Um... Uh, it's hundred and eighteen. Okay, yeah. and that will be without the VAT, of course. I always yeah, anything I say, look out for me. I never put a VAT in. No. <laughs> that's that's okay. Yeah, that comes okay. later, you know. God knows. <laughs> yeah, okay, but that, that's not for you anyway. That that's for Boris or whoever it is that happens to be in control at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you have the opportunity <laughs> to claim it back, that's why I sort of leave it. A lot of my my customers are ecologists, so they. They, you know, they have VAT registered companies. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, let's move on. Uh, so the BatWav. So I've I've headed this up as a training device and lure. Uh, so it's kind of two different things. Do you want to talk a little bit about this one? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I mean, this started out as a request from someone who wanted to uh, see if they could use their computer to make a. Uh, a low-cost training device. So, in fact, it was the BCT. It was somebody at the BCT. And they said, oh, I've got this um, sound card that will go up to 192k hertz, k samples per second. So, although it's not, you know, everything, it's not a bad sample rate. So I said, forget it, because the speakers, the whole audio system is designed around human audio, and you won't get yeah. anything more than 22. There's a number of reasons for that. So I went, but this still was a good idea. And I, um, as a training device, I started on this as a mission and eventually got the assistance of my youngest daughter, Catherine, who has a degree in electronics, um, to, uh, to design this thing um, as a training device. So the difference between a training device and a lure is kind of unexpected because as a training device, you really want to have 
um, that high fidelity, if you can follow my reason, it needs to be good, really good quality bat sound coming through. The, the speaker needs to be equalized over the range. It needs to be not to have too many unusual features. Um, uh, so bat high fidelity, quite difficult. Um, so we've, we've done that. Um, uh, I mean, high fidelity for people is quite simple because it means pretty well 20 hertz up to 22 kilohertz and no more. But we're talking, we're talking effectively five kilohertz up to um, currently 100. And I can get it up to more than that with another speaker I'm working on. So that's a training device. But as a lure, you can actually be a little bit more slapstick. Um, because bats are curious creatures and they, they're very interested in ultrasound. So if they hear something weird or something that's in their spectrum, but a little bit odd, they'll come and invest, investigate it. And that's what you want with the lure. So of course it covers both, both areas. Um, what you see there is again, it's a, it's a bit of a, all of the finished product ones, I'm afraid I've, I sell. So my pictures are, tend to be more protose, but uh, yeah. the finished product is a bit nicer. Um, uh, you get the box, um, you get the speaker with a length of cable, so you can, it's quite a small speaker, it's waterproof. Um, you can set up on a tripod, which is one of my, turned out to be one of my features. Everything as far as possible has a tripod nut on it. <laughs> um, the only thing I don't put in, and this is a key thing with me, is I, I don't include batteries. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do test battery pack suppliers and then I recommend those to my customers. This way, I'm not loading the price with my margin, which I would put on, I can assure you. Um, and, uh, um, and then I don't have the problems with post. Have you ever tried posting something from the post office and they say, has it got batteries? Right. And yeah. They, yeah. Well, you've got a choice. You can say no, and then they may x-ray it and then impound it or you yeah. say yes and then they send you out looking like a clown so yeah. so that's my reasoning behind that so 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 what kind of battery does this take then so i'm assuming um, it doesn't yeah yeah there, there are two i recommend um yeah. uh, one is quite nice it can be purchased on amazon and there's a company in the uk who also supply it um talent cell and it's a, it's, it's it's a very well regulated um stack cost about 50 quid um, and actually it has a USB output as well, which is rather nice because that USB output doesn't turn off. But there's another one, uh, which is even cheaper, which is well, actually cheap, 24 pounds. And it's used for um, the manufacturers use it for powering up LED lights. And again, it will do the whole night, um, 24 quid. It's not as nice looking as the talent cell, um, but it works just the same. Um, and I, I guess, presumably, if you bought some LEDs, you could wear an LED hat at the same time. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, I basically testing various things. You could also use a computer power supply. So it will take anything from nine volts up to 18. And the connector is the same as you have as you have on a laptop or at least a PC laptop. So you okay. can you can use that as well. Okay. And are you able to use your, your own uh, self-gen, well, your own recorded calls uh, to play? So, I mean, as you know, I do a lot with social calls. So if I had, if I had certain social calls that I'd recorded and they were 
uh, full spectrum recordings? Would I be able to stick them on a USB stick and play them out of this? Or does that have to be the stuff that comes loaded with it already? I, I, I supply a selection of calls ready-made. Um, I also, anyone who buys one gets connection to a Dropbox account where I have um, a moving, uh, increasing collection of processed files. If you want to take your own, they have to be processed or prepared in, in a particular way. Okay. So, um, really, really quickly, it's worth knowing. If you record a bat, um, you've got the sound of the bat and you've got a lot of noise. If you're going to play it back, you would be well off without the noise. Yeah. So yeah. what I use Audacity to clean as much noise out as possible. Also, it has to be stereo. Most recordings are mono, but that's easily done with Audacity. It will make it stereo for you. Okay. Um, and then I do a certain amount of what's called equalization, which compensates for the the non-linear characteristics of the speaker. So, okay. so it basically balances it against the speaker. So, okay. but uh, there's a PDF on that. And normally anyone who buys one from me from the first time will use the one, the recordings I supply. And I usually say, if you want to send me one of your own, I'll, I'll process it for you and show you how I did it. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds yep. good. And what's, what's, the cost of, what's the cost of one of these? That's um, 500 pounds. Yeah, 500 pounds. Yeah. yeah. Plus fat. Plus <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, right. So uh, I think that's just, uh, covered uh, all of your, uh, you know, pretty much all of your current offerings. Uh, where do you see yourself going in the future? I mean, what's, you know, are you able to talk about product development or what PeerSonic's going to look like six and a half years from now? Any, any thoughts on any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I have got some money in premium bonds, so if I do win, <laughs> <bonds, laughs> uh, I likely disappear, um, yeah. sort of. But <clears throat> I mean, obviously, six years it will have to change one way or another because of component obsolescence, which is always with us in the electronics world. Yeah. Um, uh, there is a new processor from Exmos which I'm discussing with the uh, CTO, which I'd like to be using. And this will give the opportunity to, to get away from this 3,000 file limit. Um, it will allow the um, SD card, which is embedded inside, to be fat formatted. So you can pull out and plug it into a PC for a faster transfer. And you'll be able to put as many files on as your SD card has the capacity to handle. So I think that's the first step that is of greater interest to everybody. Um, GPS has been mentioned and... Uh, certainly when I do a redesign, I put in another pin so that my plan is to do this. GPS will be an optional module which will allow me to get the next revision out in a year or so, who knows when, um, without taking a gamble on um, self-inflicted noise coming from the GPS um, uh, solution. So I'm kind of play it cautious. You know, if I if I run into trouble with GPS and it puts noise on my recording, I, I, would, I would just say no GPS. Yeah. I don't see why it should be. I mean, the GPS is in most other equipment these days. Yeah. So it'd be a module. So you'd be able to plug it in if you really wanted that. And I think that's the way to do it. Okay. Um, uh, as for, I mean, that, there's not many other things that I can visualize that would be really dynamically different. I think the, that recorder business is kind of converging in a way to what's logical. 
um, you know, if you can record at 384k samples per second, that's great. I mean, I know that some equipment record at 500, so you can go out and record Desmodus, but right, we okay. just don't have it, you know. So um, uh, I, I'm going to leave that alone. Actually, it does internally. It records at double 384, which is 768 k samples per second, and then downsamples it. Right. Okay. But I'm not going to do that. You'd have huge files, and who wants it? So, yeah. <laughs> so that it's actually downsampled internally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's two things really: GPS and that. I am, I am playing around with back counter ideas using brake beams and things like that, and radar. Um, so I've got a little radar solution. I'd like to do that for my own personal interest in photography. Um, but also some ecologists have uh, twisted my arm into making a counter, uh, which is a lash up at the moment. It's not a polished product. Um, and so please don't ask me to make any more because it's a right pain. Um, but if I get interest, I'll have a proper, um, properly manufactured printed circuit board made up and then, then that'd be much easier. So, I mean, that's as far as I can see at the moment. I can't see any further than that, really. Well, I mean, all, all of that's pretty exciting because I think some, some of my subscribers are probably going to shoot me for saying what I'm about to say. But, but I, I think what it does uh, currently uh, probably warrants a slightly higher price than it's currently positioned at. And I think, I think if you uh, then overcome the, the file a size limitation, the number of files, for example, you know, the, the, this product could be a bit more expensive and still a very competitive, still a very competitive option for somebody going forward. Yeah. Is that how you would see things yourself? No, I have no intention of taking a price up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that. I've, I feel okay. I'm in a convenient place, but you are right. I mean, I, but, I do weigh up the file um, recording limit of 3000 against the prices of my competitors and because they can, you know, they, they have fat formatted um, memory cards in there. And I think that is a consideration against the price as it stands. Well, I don't really want to make anything more expensive. I, I had so many customers in the early days who really couldn't afford recording equipment and they were so pleased to use this. I mean, a lot of them were, are um back carers you know i mean not yeah. famously rich people um and i'm really happy to have those customers and i learned a lot from them too so i wouldn't let them down okay well that's 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 amazing that you say that and the uh, and it's it's quite a refreshing approach uh to uh you know to your to business model so uh you know good good on you good on you for that Okay, Peter, uh, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Uh, have, we, have we covered everything? I mean, so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Right, just give me a second. Right, so everybody, uh, thank you for listening to uh, Peter Flory of Pearsonic today. Uh, Peter is a very approachable uh, chap, as you probably get the feel from uh, the interview. Uh, he was quite happy for you to email him or for you to phone him if you've got any queries about any of his products or if you're looking for something that's a, a slight alteration to what the off-the-shelf product is. I know in some respects he's able to oblige to that. So, uh, Peter, going to uh, 
wrap things up now. Uh, thank you very, very much for uh, talking to me today. It's been a total pleasure. Yeah. Uh, have you enjoyed yourself? <laughs> yeah. And thanks for the opportunity to um, lecture everybody on my equipment. So it's always a pleasure for me to do that. Yeah. That's brilliant. Okay. Right. So bye, everybody. Uh, see you again soon. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Hope you enjoyed this Talking Bat interview, which is an edited, audio-only version of the original video session. The full version, including video, is available via Betability Club, our online training platform. To find out more about Club, go to betability.co.uk. Till next time, thank you.